This is an AMI podcast. Hey guys, welcome along to another episode of Double Tap for Thursday, the 17th of November, 2022. Coming up today, more of your feedback on Twitter and Mastodon. And we meet Claire Sisk, who tells us all about how technology has enabled her to live an independent life and share the positive life and story of Cyclos. You're listening to Double Tap, your daily accessible technology show. Now, here's your hosts, Stephen Scott and Sean Priest. Oh, hello, Sean Priest. Hello, it's nearly Christmas. Oh, I'm so excited. <laughs> it is. It is. It you is nearly that, were you? I wasn't <laughs> expecting that, no. Are you, I, and I hope you're not expecting a present. Oh, of course I am. From, you? from your enormous uh, mountain of disused tech, I expect something, yes. <laughs> your mountain of disused tech. Uh, yes. yeah, I have to say, that is that pile is getting a little bit um, less these days. My wife, you see, really? now, she, she works at a, at a Scottish charity, and um, you know they are always looking for stuff. And I'm like, why don't I just give you all this? And oh, of course, my wife is just like, yes, please, come on. There's the big box, You're come like on. You're Santa of tech. You're tech Santa. Exactly. That's, that's it. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's just lying here, right? And I, I'd much rather I went to some use for people. So yes. if someone can benefit from it, then great. Uh, you know, well it's usually you. Echo Dots I tend to find I have an abundance of. Um, Do you know what it is, though? When you, when you see them on sale, yeah, I know. Like Black Friday or something, you think, what, $15? Or I'll have three. I don't need I them, but they're a bargain. It's wrong not to buy them. Course, I think that's so. ridiculous. Yeah, I think yes. it is wrong to buy. It's almost morally repugnant not yes. to buy them. <laughs> That's such a bargain. <laughs> it's just like so cheap. Uh, when is Black Friday? I'm always confused about the actual Friday. date. This coming Friday. Yeah, no, I have absolutely I no don't idea. Because every, every, I've had emails for like three weeks saying Black Friday sale. And I'm like, when is it? When is Black Friday? Is it just every day now? Is every day oh, Black no, Friday? I had it before, like for three days. Was it like, I think it was... Early access Prime members Black Friday three day extravaganza, and then it's I, I just who cares? Do you really well, care? I, I care. <laughs> really? Oh yeah. I mean, I will be honest. I, I I past couple of years when I've gone on, um, because we were doing a thing yesterday. We did a, a thing for the RNIB in the UK. We did a, a technology session with them, and um, and one of the questions we got was, you know, what are you guys looking out for at Black Friday? And yes, the, the truth is, I honestly don't know. What I would, um, what I would be looking for. I mean, it's usually. I'll be honest. The things I'm buying mostly at the minute from Amazon are, are cables. I have boxes of cables. Oh, I know. I love a cable, though. Is it? Is that? Is that the geekiness? Is that the nerdiness? Well, I do it's love like a cable. A, a different cable, you know. Because one thing, I, uh, one one cable I'm looking for right now is a USB C extension cable. So USB C to USB C extension. Yes. Yes, I'm sure absolutely. it's there, and I'm, I'm sure I'll get it from somewhere. But you know, that's the that's what I'm looking for at the moment because I want to connect. Because I've got one of these monitors; it's like a Dell PC monitor, but it's got a USB connection. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's not the best yeah. in fairness, but the good yes. thing is it's got a webcam in it; it's got speakers in it. So I'm thinking for the PC I've got, I want to hook it up to that so I can use because there's a lot of particular applications I want to test. And what I'm thinking is, I would imagine. The, the USB-C port in the monitor is going to deliver the webcam, the speakers, the microphone, whatever's in there, to the PC, so. right? Yes. I mean, it will also, if you hook it up to a laptop, it would charge the laptop as well. But it's not a laptop, it's a desktop PC, so that part doesn't matter. But I'm, I'm kind of wondering, right, okay, so can I extend USB-C? I think I can. Of course you can. But see, the thing with USB-C is that because it, it's uh, capable of delivering power, like you just said, that the it's it's quite um I think it's a hundred watts or seventy five watts yeah. maximum, um so you got to be careful because you know you know some of the cables like some USB C cables for your laptop charging are quite thick, and there's also some which are just for data transfer which are yeah. quite thin, so you need to make sure if you're going to use it if it's transferring any sort of power through it you want to make sure it's capable not just going to burst into flames basically well you know burst I have to say bursting into flames is the Least preferred option. Yeah, I am against it in general. I'm against it. I'm against bursting into flames. I mean, you know, I know I do it regularly on this show, but, you know, (laughs) I'm generally against it. I mean, in in terms of the the power, though, you can switch that off on the monitor. There is an option on the monitor to say don't send power down this particular cable. And I think if you're accessible, of course it's not. 
Um, no, no, you know, terrible. and it's, it's it's those horrible little four buttons. It's a Dell monitor, so it's got those. It's got the power button. You know, if you go from right to left, it's like you know, it's got the power button on the outside, and then those four buttons on the inside, and then yes, you know they all right. change every time you press and them because they become oh, something else. Terrible. Oh, it's horrible. Like an old Nokia phone. And you, so I'm holding up. Just... I'm holding up my phone. I've got the, the I've got my fingers <laughs> underneath. I feel like I'm playing the violin, and I've got my you know I've got the the four buttons. <laughs> my fingers and I've got the phone up with Ira saying left a bit right a bit no no not that one oh it's just I've got a Samsung monitor with the little joystick on the back I have no idea what it does I don't even know how to turn this thing off and I'm I've telling you years. I know I said this to you before but the Samsung monitor that, that I got which was the I think they do a 27 inch version and they do a 32 inch version and what's cool about that is if you get I think it's the M7 and the M8 the M8 the newer one and it's mm. got built in uh TV tuning. Well, not, not TV tuning, I should say, oh. but TV on demand, right? So it's like, almost like having a TV, but without the aerial connection. Uh, but yeah, it can also be a monitor. Yeah. yeah, it's a smart monitor, as they call it, right? It's got streaming services built in, basically. But the great thing with that is that it comes with a remote control, like a TV would, and you can use the voice guidance to control every aspect of it. Yeah. Is that the one where it's got a remote desktop client built in? It does. It's got a remote desktop. It's got AirPlay. So mine says AirPlay 2 built in, which means that I could actually just bounce the screen from my Mac onto it and use it as a monitor if I wanted to, or that use it as a cool. second display. Um, I mean, actually, I think I think I remember reading there's like five ways to connect to this monitor without a single plug actually having to be connected to it. Um, right. Which is kind of cool. we love cables. So, you know. And we have, yeah, I know. No it's just it'd be an embarrassment not to use them. <laughs> Do you know what I always look for when on any of these sales, Black Friday or whatever it may be, is smart devices. Because I always find a use for them, and I think they are so handy. Like, you've got motion sensors, I know, in your home. Well, actually, um, you're saying that, but I, I actually, there's a parcel just oh? over my shoulder right now. And that is what is in there. I bought some new Philips Hue motion sensors. Got them in like, a, I don't know if it was a Black Friday deal or what. They were pretty cheap. And yeah. um, I got a couple because I just want one for the upstairs hall, one for the downstairs hall. Uh, there's nowhere to plug anything in in my hall. That's the problem. So West Wing. Yeah. No, no, and they're battery powered, aren't they? And they last yeah. for ages. So they're, they're really good. But I mean, I just find them so useful. You can get um, like door sensors that go outside. Like I want to put some on my gates on my driveway. So if if the gate opens, then I get a notification on every smart speaker in my home saying oh, you know, the gate opened. Um, and thing, same thing for the garage. And it's just so useful and so accessible using the Lady A app. So hang on, so how does that up. work with the gate, right? Because I'm not thinking as so much for me, because we don't have gates. We don't have gates. We have large fences. No, I'm not kidding. Um, <laughs> barbed wire. <laughs> that's right. Barbed wire fence all round, big walls. Um, no, but I mean, I'm thinking about my mum's house, because she has those, you know, sort of driveway gates. And, you know, she's always a bit worried about, you know, if someone comes in in the night or whatever, and she maybe doesn't, maybe the ring camera doesn't pick up on it. So can they... I'm thinking they're far away from the house, I guess. So not that far, but I mean... Well, it depends how far away it is, yes. Because if we're talking about um, Zigbee connected, they do have a little bit more range on a Zigbee one rather than a Wi-Fi. And mm. plus, they do have that mesh connectivity. So if you've got a, a, some other Zigbee device nearby, it will connect to that, and then that will connect you know, further on. So you can go wider out, farther out. So, yeah, I mean, it's just a magnetic, you know, a pair of sensors that as soon as the magnetic um connection is is broke when the gate is open it it pings something and that's all it is so absolutely you could do that and as i said you can set it in a routine in the lady a app so you can get it to do anything it could flash lights when the gate is open it could play a tune it could do so many so many different things like but i i just want it set that it will just announce uh you know uh, drive gate has been opened Oh, that's very good. Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Actually, and these things are just really useful. Smart plugs, you know. I don't care what the make is. I just get whatever is cheapest at the time. So you can't, you can't beat a smart plug. You, you always find a use for it. They're amazing. You know, I learned very early in my life how to irritate people. And um, it wasn't well, intentional. I mean, it wasn't intentional. What happened was I was, I was helping a friend. Because, well, a friend was helping me, to be fair. Uh, at my mum's house, we were putting up, when I lived there, we were putting up an aerial so I could get digital radio. It's not much of a thing in Canada anymore, but in the UK, it's still a big deal. And um, I was getting Easy. digital aerials. But, and because at that time, the signal was pretty weak and you really needed a decent signal. And it was a, it was almost like a kind of half moon aerial you had to buy. So my friend was helping me. We had the ladder up against the wall. 
and I was asked to hold the aerial. So I was given the aerial, thought I was holding it. I wasn't. So it fell through my hands, clanged off the wall, and then I heard a like a, a smash, and I thought, oh, dear, oh, I've broken the oh. aerial. And he said, well, you can't break the aerial. It's just an aerial, right? It's a piece of metal, so you, know, you can't really break it. Um, so what, what have you broken? That's maybe the bigger question. <laughs> so we get down, and we find all these bits of, like, a box and, you know, cables lying around, and we're like, what is all this? And what I didn't realise was that there was, like, boxes and connections of things attached to the side of the house. I didn't know what they were for. So I go into the house, and I'm checking with my mum, and I'm saying, is there anything not working? And she's saying, no, it seems fine. And then we start getting people coming out of their houses saying, what's happened to my internet? And what I didn't realise was the box connected to our wall was the internet for pretty much most of the street and most of the town. And I'd, wow. I'd broken it. I personally killed well the done. internet. Yeah. You took down the eastern seaboard. Well done. That was uh, very good. I was, for, not not my finest moment. Aerial. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> it was my first. I should have really thought at that point, don't do any more DIY work. Obviously, I don't listen to myself at any point no. in my life. So, no. you know, I just went with it. But yeah. So if you, if you have anything in your house that's valuable, don't invite me in. Or just don't invite you in. That's yeah. even better. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, listen, I've got a couple of emails to get to before we get to our interview today because uh, we're going to uh, make way for uh, what I think is a brilliant interview with Claire Sisk. Claire is a blind woman who she lost her sight thirteen years ago, and she really talks about the the value that technology has brought to her life and how she uses it for good. Now we've talked so much about social media in the past week or two, and we've talked about the negatives of it, but I think she really exemplifies what is good about social media and how people can be raising awareness of sight loss, but in a fun way. And I think this is the thing. She's she's doing it in an educational way, but she's having fun with it. And I think that's the point. You know, she's not lecturing people. She's not out there saying, oh, you've got to think this way or think that way. Or, you know, she's just talking to people, just talking about her own experiences, like what we do, right? We just, we share our yes. experiences and some people agree, some people don't. So I think that that's the best way to really try and get through the noise. And she's doing it really well. So we're going to talk to her about that. You'll hear some examples of uh, her videos. And uh, we'll also get into a conversation about, and I can't believe this has happened, but I say that as a guy. It, it must happen a lot, and it clearly does declare that she gets men sending images of, let's just say, themselves to her. Yes. Yeah. Um, we talk a little bit about that. It is, uh, it's a really interesting interview. So, yeah, that's coming up in a few moments. But I want to get to some of your emails. Uh, let me start with Negative Julian, who oh, got in touch with perfect. us. Uh, he says, uh, hello, chaps. I thought I had best throw in my contribution to the Twitter debate. Or you might think that I have died. Um, my chief response <laughs> has been some amazement that Stephen seems to be arguing in favour of unrestricted freedom of speech. I find it hard to have any sympathy with that. I'm going to let that settle for a second. Um, Okay, I'll carry on. Consider the case of someone messaging their MP, their congressperson or similar. I hope that it would be fine to say, I disagree with all of your opinions, but are you really okay with them saying, I'm going to come in and do harm to your children? That's actually slightly paraphrasing what you said uh, there, Julian, because I don't know if that's necessarily something I want to say on here. Um, But he says, well, you might say that that does not count because the second option is clearly illegal. The law will deal with that. But the very fact that you're okay with the first option, but not the second, means that you must be drawing a line somewhere. Where is it? Saying, well, it is okay if it is legal is no good because someone has to make the law. Claiming that making the law has nothing to do with you is just shamelessly passing the buck. We live in a democracy. Both making the law and observing it is something to do with all of us. By the way, if you say that democracy has nothing to do with you because you do not bother to vote, you will go down a long way in my estimation. I feel very strongly that anyone who cannot give up an hour of their time every once every few years to cast a vote should thereafter shut up and keep their complaints to themselves. I do not care whether it's raining, snowing or anything else. I will always find a way to vote because, young Stephen, although I am only, only <laughs> because I am only one tiny individual, nonetheless, I'm still part of the many and together we do matter. A journey of a thousand miles begins with a single step or, to put it another way, a crowd starts with one person. Regards, Negative Julian. Okay. Wow. Um, Stephen wow. Scott, your response. <sighs> Um, 
Honestly, I I don't know where to go with this because you know I I don't know how many times I can say I'm for free speech and and I don't personally find that controversial. I mean, is there a line? Does a line have to be drawn? Yeah, I think sometimes a line does have to be drawn. I, I yeah, I suppose. It well, does. hang on, hang on, hang on. I think that the the thing unrestricted free speech. Well, not without consequence, no. Um, but you know, I I think that. Fundamentally, free speech for me, and and this is the last word I want to say on this just now because we, we want to move on to the Claire Sisk interview and, and that's far more interesting than me going on about free speech again. But, you know, you've asked the question, Julian. So, you know, am I for unrestricted free speech? Yes, not without consequence. What is free speech is maybe the better question to be asking here. And in my view, free speech is not what you're suggesting there. That's not that's got nothing to do with free speech. That's that is really not a free speech argument. A free speech discussion for me is around a freedom of expression of ideas where you say something I can agree with or disagree with. And you can say something I can agree with or disagree with. That fundamentally is the free speech argument. Is Are you for a freedom of expression of ideas or are you not? And I think the biggest issue here in amongst all this is that people have just stopped learning from each other. They've stopped listening to each other, maybe even more so. They don't listen anymore. You know, you have a discussion with someone and it's just, you can tell you're totally fixed on your view for whatever reason. You've got it in your head. This is it because you've joined a Facebook group and they all agree with you. And it goes back to my point I made this week about Mastodon being just a place full of people who are going to just fall into silos. And that is not a good thing. It is not helpful. You know, being around a group of people who just agree with you all the time, that's not a good thing. I'm sorry if that goes against your worldview, but that's my point. I'm making an argument that is in the realm of free speech. I'm making a point. You're welcome to disagree with me. I'm not the final word on this. And if you think I am, well, I can't help you because I'm not. (laughs) You have your view and you should have your view and you should be arguing with me. That's my point. Keep the discussion coming because, you know, we we do love to have a good discussion here, but we must move on. Claire Sisk joins us next. We're going to be talking about how she's been enabled by tech. This is Double Tap. Send us your feedback to feedback at doubletaponair.com. Leave us a voicemail at 1-877-803-4567. You're listening to Double Tap. This is Double Tap. Now, back to the show. Hey guys, Stephen here from Double Tap, and uh, today on the show I'm welcoming Claire Sisk to Double Tap. Now, you know, Claire is someone who, frankly, I think, gives social media a good name. This is someone who, for uh, the past year or so, has been uh, putting out her TikTok videos, her Instagram videos on Twitter, across social media, to really try and highlight sight loss and to uh, highlight some of the challenges we face and in lots of different ways from technology that we use to the different hacks that we all have as blind people and sharing that with people in a really cool and really informal and a really friendly way and really getting the point across. Not only is she uh, delving into all of the big topics that we all talk about as blind people all the time, you know, how we navigate our home or you know how we find out if the chicken in the fridge is out of date or not. All these important things every day that, you know, frankly, keep us alive, right? I mean, you need to know these things. Um, you know, she's making people aware of how she does it. And she does it in a really cool way, like I say. But also, she's answering people's questions and she's tackling head-on some of the ableism that she faces. And we're going to talk to her about that. But first, I thought I'd give you a flavour of some of the videos that she's done so far. Right, so when I record, how do I know if the camera is front or rear facing? Let me show you. I'm blind and if I can make sesame prawn toast, I think anyone can. I'm blind and I'm about to show you how I saw a gig last night versus how someone with eyesight would have seen it. Have I ever hurt myself or fallen over because I'm blind? Yes. Now, falling over isn't because I'm blind, it's because I'm clumsy. How can I be looking at the camera if I'm blind? Because I'm blind, not dead. Did you know that blind people can watch TV and select what they want to watch? So that gives you a flavour of some of the topics that Claire talks about. And we'll get into more of that and find out some of the other topics she's had to 
deal with some of really challenging stuff on these platforms. We'll get into all that with Claire, who joins me now. Claire says, thank you so much for coming on to Double Tap today. Thanks for having me. Yeah, listen, I, I really do appreciate you coming on and uh, talking about uh, you and the videos you've created. I think they're really, really interesting, and I'm really glad you're here today to tell us all about them. So, so yeah, like I say, thank you for that. Um, I want to ask you first, and um, it, it really is the most important question I can ask anybody when they come on to Double Tap, uh, which iPhone do you have? Um, an iPhone 14 Pro. Now, look, that was a little bit of a trick question, right? Because a lot of blind people do have iPhones, right? So I was kind of playing a trick game. It is the blind iPhone. It is. It, for me, it's the best accessible phone for blind, visually impaired people. Yeah. I mean, look, I know I'll get hate from the Android people about it, but, you know, we'll, we'll just park that, okay? <laughs> um, just want to ask you about you, uh, if you don't mind, Claire. Um, you've not been blind all your life, have you? No, no. I started losing my sight 13 years ago. Oh, right. Okay. Um, and would you mind me asking what happened, how you came to lose your sight? So um, I had two strokes. Um, I had one in the April of 2009 and then a second one in September. And I was driving home from work. And by the time I'd gone back to work, the clocks had changed. So it was quite dark and I was really struggling to see. Um, and to cut a very long story short, it turned out that I had the early signs of night blindness. Um, mm. We had a lot of tests and investigations. And um, this was about six months after my second stroke. And they had realized that the stroke had affected my rods and cones. So it's almost like a form of of rod cone dystrophy kind of symptoms that I was getting. But at the time, NASA had just invented bionic rods and cones. So they were like, oh, this is something we can look to do. And I was like, oh, my God, I could have a bit of NASA inside me. How cool is that? You know, <laughs> like not many people can say that. No. And um, was like over the moon that they there was something they could do. And um, then I had to go to Moorfields and have like all the tests done. Um, I don't know if you've ever had the pleasure of going there. Amazing hospital, amazing stuff. But I was there for about eight hours <laughs> having mm. every test. And they they said that it, it, there was just no point in having the rods and cones because they could see that um, I had six different defects in each eye. And ultimately that wouldn't restore that um the light reception the light reception that I was losing and stuff like that right. and that kind of started the whole sight loss journey back way back then wow uh, you know look I'm sorry to ask that because it's a very intrusive question to be honest you know asking you to to relive all that for me so I really do no, appreciate not that not at all not at uh, all but you know we are blind people right so we always want to know what each other's eye conditions yeah, are <laughs> It's like, oh, what's wrong with you then? It's like a little little contest, isn't it? But I think yes. the reason we ask is because it's so rare we find somebody with our condition. You want to ask in case it's like, snap, me too. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that is so true. Um, but, you know, it, it's obviously something that takes a bit of a time to get used to. And it can be challenging. And it can even continue to be challenging years later, right? That's the reality, I think, for a lot of us. And I, I think it's important to acknowledge that because a lot of us in the blind community who've been blind a long time or who have lived with sight loss a long time, you know, it's not that we forget the dark days, but we have to, because we're so keen to move on and be positive as we want to be, we maybe forget that there are people coming through the experiences we've had before. So it's always good to acknowledge that challenge. Um, I mean, I'm sure you've had your dark days. I know I've had mine over the years. But, you know, if we're here, we may as well enjoy ourselves, right? Absolutely. Couldn't agree more. I always give myself three options every morning because despite being in a happy, content place now, I still have those bad days mm -hmm. where, you know, you're like, oh, I don't want to be blind anymore. Why me? But every morning I say to myself, right, Claire, you either give up, give in or give it your all. And even on those really bad days and I'm like, I'm still going to give it my all. But I'll lay on the sofa, binge watching true crime, eating the biggest bag of Revels and I will give it my all to finish them. <laughs> so I still try to be positive on those those dark days, I, I still try. And I'm such a believer in what you put out is what you get back. You know, I never want to go back to that place that I once was because it just it was just awful. 
Where do you think you you put yourself now, like today, versus before you lost your sight, before you even knew about thought about visual impairment? Right? What, what, do you do you think you've changed as a person? Massively, and I get this question a lot. I think many of us, not just blind people, I think anyone who goes through something life changing, it changes you as a person. Yeah. I. I've always been a nice person, I feel, but I was quite gobby. My my mum's South African and has this very abrupt way of dealing with things. And I've grown up like that, you know, like if someone didn't smell very nice, I'd, I would just outright say, you stink. And <laughs> now I've gone through what I've gone through. I'm more respectful of people's feelings and what they may have gone through and sort of think, I, I don't judge anymore, whereas I think back when I was younger, I mean, it could be my age as well that I don't judge, but I, I'm, I just don't judge people. I take them at face value. I make my own opinion on people. Yeah. I don't, you know, if someone doesn't like someone, I'm not going to not like them. It's like, well, I want to learn that for myself, if they're a nice person or not. And I think it has definitely made me a better person, but also I appreciate what I've got a hell of a lot more. You know, it's been interesting watching your videos, as I have been for a little while now, and just kind of, I guess, getting to know you and getting to know what bugs you. Um, one particular video stood out, and I played a clip of it earlier in our introduction to you, which was, you know, where you said, you know, how do I, how can I be blind and be looking at the camera? And you said, because I'm, you know, blind, I'm not dead. And it was such a powerful thing to say because it's true, right? And it must be so frustrating when you get that level of ignorance uh, on a social media platform, where you would think in 2022 people would kind of get that, right? But, you know, your frustration, it came through clearly on that video. It's like there's there's, there's like people out there who I feel, they feel they're, they're supporting the disabled community by trying to out people for faking it. And it's like, actually, you're just making yourself look like a massive ableist because, yeah. you know, every disability has a spectrum. Yeah. And no two people are ever going to be the same. And I get it all the time. Oh, yeah, you're well blind. You're looking right at the camera. And the thing is, the people that are making these comments are the people that are pretty much grown up with a device in their hand. You know, they're the ones that are like, oh, I've got an iPhone trick for you. Go into accessibility and set this, this and this up. And and you're like, you know, accessibility is there. You've just never looked at voiceover. You've never delve deeper than the little shortcuts that that you found so you know obviously one of the great things of an iphone is when it is in camera mode it will tell you if your face is in center which is exactly how i can record my videos i'm also the one holding the phone and i know where my hand is because i can feel it <laughs> yeah of course <laughs> right i mean it's it's obvious when you think about it but yeah sadly you do have to point it out but you know it's interesting because a friend of mine have told me who've seen your videos and they have full vision they say you're a very attractive woman you've got you know lovely hair you've always got your makeup on you're looking great and i i, I kind of wonder when when i've heard that from people i'm saying is it perhaps that the confusion of the public comes from the fact that you are someone who is you know well turned out looking good and all that stuff that maybe that's it's almost a case of people think, how can you be blind and look like that? I, I think people have got an idea in their head of what blindness looks like, and when when people say you don't look blind, I think it's it comes from the fact that well, you can't look good <laughs> if you're blind. Did you know what I mean by that? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I I actually posted a video last night of how I straighten my hair. I never make an effort with my hair; it kind of just falls into place. I've had the same hairstyle for twenty years. Um. But when it comes to my makeup, I taught myself how to do it as I was losing my sight. So I've always worn makeup and I've always loved and adored makeup. And everyone's like, oh, you don't need to wear it. Well, I want to. So, you know, that comment's irrelevant. It's it's part of who I am. And when I was losing my sight, I didn't want to lose that part of me. That was the biggest thing, that and cooking. So I would close my eyes and practice and then open them. And I could obviously see how bad it looked. And it, it took a long time to perfect it. And I mean, it's not perfect now. I'm no makeup artist, but I know what I'm doing and I know what colours suit me. And I always go into store and get colour match. And my daughter, who's 22, is into makeup. So she helps me as well sometimes. But the biggest question is, who does your makeup? Does your boyfriend do your makeup? Does your daughter do your makeup? It's never, oh, wow, you've done your own makeup. How? 
they just assume that somebody else has done it for you because it looks good. But I find that in every aspect of blind life, you know, well, you shouldn't be cooking because you can't see or why isn't your boyfriend vacuuming for you? That's not fair. You've got to do it. And it's like we we can live a normal life. We're not, you know, we're not dead. We're just blind. (laughs) Exactly. How do you keep up the energy to keep, you know, doing the videos, you know, doing what you do? coming on shows like this, talking about this issue all the time, when you get that kind of wall of uh, ableism, let's say. The the motivation that keeps me going is the messages that I get. I, I get hundreds every day. And I mean, it's got to a point now where I can't reply to everyone. I like to try because I feel if someone has taken the time out to message me, then I can at least acknowledge it, you know, with a like or something. It's got to the point where I cannot manage that. But I get so many messages of people saying, you know, lately it's been a lot of parents whose young ones have have just started their sight loss and, and them saying, seeing you live your life gives me hope for my son, my daughter, my granddaughter. And, you know, if I wake up and I'm really not feeling like living life today not I don't want to be blind and I read something like that it flips my mood instantly and I'm like right you know what else can I show them what else can I prove to them and and one thing I always go back to them and say is yes they will have a fulfilled life and you know by the time they are an adult how technology is rapidly progressing for I mean 10 years ago I wouldn't have ever got on the tube on my own but with my phone now I will and I just say, you know, in the next 10, 15 years, just think how different technology is going to be and, you know, driverless cars and stuff like that. I don't think they, I mean, there's always going to be an element of worry, but I don't think they need to worry that they they won't have a fulfilled life and that they'll be left out because technology just helps make everyone included in everything, really. So I want to talk about that. I want to geek out with you a bit on, on the tech side, because I want to know what you are using, I mean, you're saying you're using the iPhone, which of course, yeah, I'm with you on this, best phone ever. Um, <laughs> but when it comes to social media and those platforms, how do you cope with all that? Because, you know, you're dealing with a lot of inaccessibility, you know, obviously yes. you're making videos. How are you doing all that stuff? It drives me crazy to the point that I could launch my phone across the room if it wasn't so expensive. <laughs> you know, one month TikTok might be accessible, then they'll do an app update and what wasn't accessible is now accessible, but what is now isn't. And it does drive me absolutely crazy. Um, No social media app to me is fully accessible. There is always, I've always got to have a workaround. With Instagram to start with, I, I would like slice little notches in my phone case cover to know where to press on the screen Mm. because it just wouldn't read it out to me or stick bits of blue tack on my screen if I thought right I'm recording then I'll get some a sighted person to help me and say right where where's the captions thing and stuff um editing videos is just too painful in in like iMovie where it's second by second it's it's just I'm not a tech person, so I I can't I probably couldn't do it sighted, let alone no sight. So I'm really really fortunate that you know I've got my daughter, I've got a friend, and my boyfriend that all help me when it comes to like mass editing. A lot of my videos though are filmed there and then. There's no editing; it's it's just me talking as I am because of the inaccessibility of, of these apps, which just drives me crazy. Which is actually a good so it's thing. it's hard work. Yeah, but it's a good thing how these videos are made, right? That they, they can be made in that way, that you're not having to have a production crew with you or, you know, 10 people around you to do this. You, you can just pick up your yeah. phone and make a video. And, and on those days, for example, where you're not feeling it, I've seen you even do videos on those days as well. And yeah. that's the power of the tech, isn't it? That it's, it enables you to do that rather than having to invite someone in. You can just have that quiet time. Yeah. If I want to do a fancy transition or something like that and it needs snipping and whatever else the technical terms for a video editing are called, then I can't do that. I, I just don't. I can't do that. Um, and I mean, I know there are other, there are, programs that um i've got friends that use it on on computers that they can do it because it is more accessible but like i said i'm not a tech savvy person so 
I'm just like, oh no, I'll let someone else do that. Yeah, and that's okay, right? I, I think that there's a sense sometimes, and I see I've seen this on social media recently about some individuals, where it's almost as if everyone who's blind has to be 100% at everything all the time, or you're not representing us enough. And mm. I'm not, I'm not with that. I just can't be with that. Sometimes it's just easier for someone to give me a hand. I use Ira, for example, the visual interpreter yeah. service, which thank you know, is such a great service. And frankly, I would be lost without most of the time. Mm. I do a lot of techie stuff on my, my show. I talk a lot. I use a lot of different programs and a lot of things I use are not accessible. And if I didn't have a service mm. like that, I wouldn't be able to do it. So it's okay to be, you know, the thing about independence is it also has the word dependence in there. And we mm. can be dependent on other people. Why not? But we're, we're, just because we're blind and asking for help, it makes us no different to sighted people. Exactly. They need help. They're not all tech savvy. And, you know, not everyone knows how to do everything. So, you know, I mean, I'll always give it my best shot at anything. I'll try to do it myself because I am fiercely independent and always have been. And I want to try for myself to know my boundaries and my limits. And, you know, if it is something that I just think, no, this is impossible, then I, I'm not afraid to ask for help. You mentioned launching the phone across the room, which when I started learning voiceover, yeah, I had two weeks where I just wanted to kill that thing. I hated every second of it. And I thought this, I'll never get used to this. And don't even get me started on Jaws, the screen reader. I mean, oh my God, oh. it was just awful. But you know, there is a point where you kind of break through, isn't there? There's a point where you kind of yeah. feel like you've got up to the top of the hill. You're almost there. And I think it's it's difficult because you're you're having to battle inaccessible apps. You don't and especially if you don't know a screen reader, you don't really know what is inaccessible at that point. So you just yeah. think everything's inaccessible because you can't get to it. How mm. do you keep the momentum going? Because there are listeners to my show who get in touch often and say, I just can't cope with this. I can't deal with this. How do you battle on through on those days? It's perseverance. It's I know it's going to give me a better quality of life if I take the time to to learn this and and understand it. And I mean, I've been using voiceover for nearly five years, and I still don't know all the stuff it does. You know, I I actually um, went to Apple HQ a few weeks ago, and I said, you know, the rotor settings just confuse the hell out of me. I know the basics, but I'm just like. I still don't know everything. And you learn things like from Twitter, from YouTube. You just learn what other people, little workarounds that other people do. And if you just pop it out there, like, oh, guys, you know, how would I do this with voiceover? Someone somewhere will know. Um, but it's, uh, it is a frustrating thing because for me, like I've just started using Twitter in the last sort of four or five months. I used Twitter when it very first came out. I can't even remember how old I was. I was in my like early 20s. And in my head, that is what Twitter looks like. Mm. But what my voiceover is telling me is not what it looks like. And I that that connection just won't form in my brain. And I'm it's that has been really frustrating for me. And everyone's like, oh, you should use Twitterverse or this, it's easier. Or, oh, I'll go through it with you. And it's like, I don't need someone to go through it with me. I need my brain to stop visualizing what it used to be. Um, so it can be really, really frustrating, but just persevere with it because at the end of it, once you've kind of mastered it, it is so, it just, life is just easier. <laughs> Do you know, you're so talking my language. I, I, I'm with you on this because I, have a, I had a visual memory. I remembered so much. And in a lot of ways, I could talk people through problems with a computer without mm. even being in front of it. I could just see where you need to go here, to go there, to do this. And of course, you know, that, that memory is with like Windows 7. And mm. we were on to 11 now. And, you know, it's all different. And, you know, yeah. it's that problem of, hang on, that's not where it's supposed to be. Uh, I'm totally with you on that. Um, what about, no, you said cooking. Um, yeah. You brought it up, so in case you know people start calling me sexist for asking you about cooking, right? You brought it up, but I, <laughs> I want to ask you about this because you know I, I, we don't talk much about cooking on our show because, frankly, Sean and I we don't cook; uh, we're hopeless. <laughs> I could burn water in a microwave, so you know I am useless at it. Thankfully, my wife is a wonderful cook, and thank God for that. But um, how do you how do you do it in the kitchen? Do you have any? I mean, are we, are we talking? You know, talking microwaves. So we, you know, are you using smart air fryers? What are you, what are you uh, using in the kitchen? I don't have a talking microwave. Um, so you don't have a talk, you're, you're blind. And you don't have a talking microwave. Well, that's a disgrace. No, no. <laughs> um, I don't like them. They're very aggressive. Mm. Um, no. Door so open. Um, 
<laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, as I said, with my makeup, when I was losing my sight again, that I started cooking. I've always, well, I wouldn't say I've always loved cooking. When I um, had my daughter, I was I was quite young. And at the age of three, uh, I split up with her dad. So I was on my own and I couldn't cook. And my parents uh, bought me cooking lessons for Christmas one year. I think I was 23 and I got cooking lessons for Christmas. I was not happy. Best, not happy. But I'm glad they did because it, it, I found a passion for it, and I loved, I loved making things like my own sauces. Um, my my daughter wasn't a fussy kid; she'd eat anything, but that then became a bit dangerous for me. It, it was like too easy to buy jars of sauces, and you don't want to put that kind of rubbish into into yeah. a young child's body. So when I could, I would make my own sauces. Obviously, we all use jars and packets for ease and convenience but back then I was like no I'm going to be one of those mums that makes the meat vegetables and stuff and I did and I'm glad I did because she's very good with it today whereas my diet just consumes uh, just uh, consists of sugar uh, <laughs> breakfast lunch and dinner and I'm allergic to any vegetables yeah we're very similar <laughs> so, um, so yeah I, I loved cooking and um, I remember my um my Rovie come into my house and I was saying to her I kept cutting myself um this was like when I was sort of losing a hell of a lot more sight and she was like oh buy you know in in the supermarkets now you can buy the already chopped carrots and onions and I was like I'm not doing that because they still put crap on that to keep them mm. I'm not doing it. I'm not being that person but I also part of me it wasn't because I didn't want to it was because I wanted to remain independent I didn't want to rely on everyone doing everything for me um so she gave me a few techniques you know like popping the tea towel under the chopping board um I had a small amount of core vision and all my peripheral vision back then so I would use a contrast of colors like if I was chopping a red onion I would use a yellow chopping board and a black knife so that I could see all the different colors um I got like the oven gloves that come on under your armpits because I was burning myself mm. all the time. Um, and it just kind of started the process of learning how to adapt. I didn't have money to buy a talking microwave or talking scales or anything. I had to just learn how to do it by myself. So um, there was um, a, this is like 20 years ago, a, a like a YouTuber. They weren't a YouTuber, but they were like the blind chef. And they talked about the sounds that chicken makes when it's cooking. Mm. So when it first starts cooking, it sizzles less than when it's cooked because of the water. And, and I relied on that method for a long time. Now, I did get sick quite a few times. <laughs> <laughs> right. But you've got to try um, it, right? Yeah, but my daughter was sighted and it would be a case of, is this still slightly pink? And, and you can tell like when you're chewing it, oh, that tastes yeah. a bit fleshy. But as I've got older and more adventurous with with my cooking, um, I do have a talking thermometer. I do have um, Wayne the Wayne Scales who talks to me and Jeffrey the Jug. I mean, they're not the most accurate. So if you're a cake baker, they're no good. Um but a lot of it is just by feel and sound and, you know, you're shaking your, your herbs and spices. I did um, a red Thai sticky curry in the slow cooker and my daughter was like, this is really good, mum. How did you make it? And I was just like, oh, just chucked a load of stuff in a lot of the time. You can just sense how much is coming out because you that's the way you've always, well, for the last 10 years, that's the way I've done it. Yeah. That's how I know how much I'm putting in and people can't understand that. They're like, well, how do you know that's a tablespoon? Well, I don't, but I know that that's roughly going to be it because years of practice. But that says that you're good uh, at cooking. That says you're good at that. I mean, I don't think that's a site related thing. I think that's just you, you know, getting this in your head as to the right, you know, a, how it tastes, how it feels. You've had experience of it. So, you know, it, it's, there are many, many good people who can see who can cook really well and many, many people who can see who can't cook, you know. Yeah. It's, it's not a sight thing, right? But I will say you... We're not all talented at everything. Exactly. <laughs> no, exactly. And, you know, I know that you, you've you mentioned on your, your videos as well about seeing AI. Is that is that really helpful to you? Um, yeah. Seeing AI is like <laughs> my go-to. Um, I use that to read all the packaging. Um, obviously, Navi Lens is now a thing, mm. so hopefully that 
going to become more of a bigger thing. But yeah, seeing AI, if if I need to know it, I, when I'm cooking, my boyfriend works full time. And although he's at home, I'm not going to keep going out. Can you tell me what temperature this needs to be? Can you tell me? I want to do it for myself. It does take a very long time. I have to kind of start the dinner process at about four o'clock for us to eat by six, half six, because yeah, you probably know when you're blind, everything takes nine times longer. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, so I'll, I'll launch CNAI and it's reading me my herbs and spices. And if I've got a recipe to follow, then I'm using that. Um, and it does the barcode scanning as well. So it can give you more information. Um, if someone's on a diet, then I can get that nutritional information quite easily and access that. So yeah, CNAI is kind of, I, I use that more than something like Be My Eyes or Ira because I'm just like, I'm quite a shy person. It doesn't seem like that. But every time I've used like Be My Eyes or Ira, I just start laughing and giggling like a small child because I'm like, oh my God, this is so awkward. In the course of what you do, you've had people send you, guys, I should say, send you images of themselves and not their face, shall we say. Um, And you did a video where you had the, the voice of a readout what the image description of what the picture was. I'm blind and I get sent a lot of lower regional area pictures from guys. Maybe they don't believe I'm blind, but I rely on a screen reader to narrate my phone to me and it also narrates images. And I have just received an image and I have to share this with you. This is what my screen reader has described to me. One face, probably a mushroom growing in the ground. X, 752. I have to tell you, that was brilliant. Because first off, the way you handled that was just brilliant. I was so, I mean, I laughed, but I also then watched it again. You know, I watched it and laughed, and then I watched it with a serious face, thinking, well done, good for you for standing up to that and and, and actually bringing it out in a way that wasn't, that made you out to be a victim that didn't make you out to be something, oh, you know, here I'm getting these images and it's all terrible. You really, you laughed at it. And that's the best reaction to something like that. And I, I was so, so pleased you did it because, uh, and again, it shows, and it kind of, it's funny, isn't it, that somebody would even send that to a blind girl. I mean, it's just, <laughs> it's just how nuts. does that even work, you know? <laughs> is, that a, is that a common thing? Does that happen a lot? Unfortunately, yes. And I mean, I... I'm sorry, I don't I mean to sound surprised because I'm sure it does, no, but no. I just, I, I wondered how, how, how bad it is. A lot of, I had a lot of um, people respond to that saying uh, they, uh, it's, it's illegal to do it now. Yeah. And, and I mean, I'm not up to date with all the social media laws and, you know, I, it's not right at all. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying people should do it, no. but... I'm not someone who cares. I don't I don't care because I can't see it. So that's why I don't care. But I care for those people who do see it and are offended by it. And you shouldn't do it because no one wants they're not they're not pretty. We don't want to look at them at the best of times. No, I'm a guy. I, 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 I don't want anybody to see anything, frankly. That's uh, my face is you bad know, enough. And it's just keep your personal stuff to yourself <laughs> and to the people who, you know, you want to be personal with. Just don't but also what I think a lot of people, when they send them, it's not actually theirs that they're sending. Right, okay. Which, again, is, worse. yeah, it's like, well, you're violating someone else's privacy yeah. by doing that. And I just don't understand the the mentality behind wanting to do that. And, I mean, a lot of the time my boyfriend is the one that has to open <laughs> these pictures. So they're really they're um, sending it to him. Yeah, and, I mean, he's got an amazing sense of humor he's not as funny as me but he is funny and he will give me some brilliant audio description on it and he'll be like oh let me reply let me reply it's like the other day I had I had a message saying um because uh what did I say I I, something like I had to go and clean the bathroom oh because your husband won't clean the bathroom for you come and live with me in my country so he replied he's like okay serious negotiation how much are you willing to pay for her and they got into a full-on chat and he's like well what is she worth and and he was like she's you know she's good she does the cooking she does the cleaning and they had a full-on chat and this guy's like obviously thinking he's serious Mm -hmm. that he's gonna sell me and I'm just like Okay, this is the internet. 
And it just, excuse the pun, opens your eyes and makes you see the world a little bit differently. And I've I've never, up until my Instagram account got bigger, I've never experienced having naked pictures sent to me. It's not something I've ever done and it's not something that people have done to me. But yeah, and then I did that video and then obviously that meant more people sent them to me. But I changed my settings so that... Right, okay, right. Um, if they're not following me, they go into like a different inbox type thing. Okay. So I don't have to, to see them. But it's it honestly, it's just crazy that people do that. And then the fear is there's young people online. And yeah. that's where it just, it should, that's where I agree it should be illegal because you don't know what young people are looking at. But I think that video you made it was in no way endorsing or suggesting, hey, please send me pictures. It was more a case of just laughing at the content. And I thought <laughs> that is the best way to deal with it. And it sounds like that's what you do personally as well yeah. as, as on, I, I, on these videos. I try I any any negativity or stuff, unwanted stuff, I do try to use humour to deal with it because <sighs> there's enough hate in the world. And, you know, obviously I don't agree that people should send those pictures, but to kind of if you sit there and say, don't send them, it's wrong, it's illegal, they're just going to do it even more. Whereas if you almost belittle them, mm -hmm. they may think twice. And I'm not a person who goes out of my way to belittle people, but in a way it's like just make them understand that this isn't cool and, you know, what you've got to show isn't that great because my screen reader thinks it's a mushroom. So tuck it away and just keep it tucked away. <laughs> uh, Claire, I could talk to you all day. Thank you so much for coming on to Double Tap and uh, telling us your story. You must come back on again soon and geek out with us. Absolutely, absolutely. Thank you for having me. And if you want to follow Claire online and see what she's up to, follow her videos, comment and all that, then you can do so by uh, searching for Can See, Can't See. Claire Sisk is her name, and uh, I really do uh, appreciate her coming on. That was a really interesting conversation. I'm sure you agree. Uh, you know, she's going to be a huge star one day. She is going to be huge on TV, I can just tell. Uh, listen, that's it for today for us. Thank you so much for listening. Keep in touch. As always, feedback at doubletaponair.com. Our call-in number is 1877-803-4567. We'll be back tomorrow. Love Double Tap? Did you know we're on the TV too? Check out brand new episodes of Double Tap TV on AMI-TV every Tuesday at 8 p.m. Eastern. Or binge on all episodes online at ami.ca forward slash Double Tap. We're also on YouTube. Search for Double Tap to catch our episodes there too. Hi, I'm Red Sale, inviting you to download the latest episode of My Life in Books where internationally acclaimed authors discuss their lives, their work, and three books that have resonated with them. That's My Life in Books, available wherever you get your AMI podcasts.